0: hey welcome to the bitter welcome can you hear me? welcome to the bitterest pill there you go that's a little better hey welcome to the bitterest pill it's dan i know i know welcome to the Bitters i know there's guilt don't worry there's plenty of guilt my friend welcome to the bitterest pill my name is dan class i'm recording uh here you know box behind someone's garage in orange county california it is currently august 20 something 2018 domini. my apologies for not having recorded in a long time uh every basically every september and i know this isn't september this is august but august for me is the new september every september i say you know what i should have done i say I should have taken the summer off, because the reason I say that is because out of uh, guilt I have take you know, I feel, uh, hi, how are you? I always feel guilty because I never record during the summer, because I'm too busy driving people around, etc. So how have you been? I've been worried about you. You seem fine. But I hope everything, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> You seem fine. Don't freak out. I don't know, who, right? I'm just randomly talking into a microphone in what passes for a living room five out of seven days a week. Don't mind me. Although I have, since, I guess, May, really spent an inordinate amount of time driving up and down the coast of California. Now, the reason for that is, you know how it works. You've, you've This can't possibly be your first uh, time listening to this program. And my, uh, you know, my wife and I have two kids one of whom goes to college in downtown Los Angeles. And the other one goes to high school, our lovely daughter, uh, here in Orange County. So when the college one is out of college, he has nowhere to stay anymore in downtown LA, so he goes back to our house under the flight path at Los Angeles uh, International Airport. Which means that the parents feel bad sleeping in orange county because their son is far far away sitting in his childhood home solo so i spent much of the summer working in orange county and then driving up to la just in time to kind of have dinner with hudson and then uh pass out basically it was it was it was a long and uh exciting summer to say the least tongue in cheek so that's really not what we're going to talk about today, but but uh, the kids are both back in school. They've been back in school since the middle of August. I know it took me like a week to finally get to sit down and do this, but, um, but I hope you're well. So what we're going to talk about, so so I'm sure a lot has happened, but here's the thing, and, and this is kind of good news and bad news, and it's good news for life and bad news for the podcast is, you know, I've been working um, since January and... You know, life's been humming along pretty nicely, but what what happens is, and in in, in, in in a way this is kind of sad, as a, a person that, uh, you know, for the last 13, 15, whatever it's been years, gets on this microphone and complains about his life. I don't have anything to, com- first of all, I, I partially don't have anything to complain about. And secondly, uh, secondly, what? Are Are we just coining new phrases now? Secondly. Uh, most of the things that I'd love to complain about, I really can't because I really shouldn't. So I'm finally, you know, now that I'm working and and meeting new people and, and trying to be perceived as a normal person in a in a more normal community than Los Angeles, right? I mean, Orange County, where people are a little more normal, I can't come on the mic and, and I can't, there's just certain things I can't complain about. So what I'm going to have to do is save them until we move or I quit or I'm fired or we move or what, you know, you understand what I mean? So what really where that leaves me is, you know, I don't know, right? So what I'm going to talk about today, just to kind of get you caught up, is northbound. Now, if you don't remember what northbound is, so many, many, many years ago, my friends the anderson brothers seth and nathan and their cohort jason hagen the the third anderson brother you know they contacted me and they said hey we we you know i forget who exactly wrote the original script it was just seth or seth and nathan or Seth. i don't i don't remember which combination of the guys wrote this script but they wrote this script for this thing called north star and they said dan we want you cuz you know i used to i used to try to be an actor <laughs> Um, Dan, we have this role that we want you to play and we're going to try to get this movie made and so we want you to come in we're going to do a table reading you read Dr. Trepanier he's this guy, okay and so we're going to have this table so they had this table now again, this is years ago but they always maintained listen, we're going to try to get some name people to play, you know, this main character and this main character and this main character but you, Dan we want you to play Dr. Trepanier. No matter what happens, Dan, we want you to play Dr. Trepanier. Okay, fine. Now, I'm not saying that I have any reason specifically to not believe Seth, Nathan, Jason, okay? There's no reason to not believe them. Other than I've lived in Los Angeles since the late 80s. And an, you know, roughly an umpteen number of people have said to me, you know, I'm going to direct a feature and I want you to be in it. It's going to be great. You're going to be great. This is going to be great. We're going to do this feature. It's going to be great. And then it never happens. So you have to understand that I take all of these kind of grand uh, statements with a salt lick, but again, not, not because of any of the people, just because of normal life. I mean, if you stop, stop and think, it's kind of even ridiculous to be having this conversation, right? It, it's hard to make a movie. It takes a lot of time and a lot of people and a lot of energy and a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of time and energy. And so so all those umpteen people that have said to me over the years, hey, I'm going to make this shorter. I'm going to make this feature, and I want you to do it. They aren't bullshitting me. They're, they truly believe it, and they truly mean what they're saying. It's just then reality sets in and things don't get made, right? And a few people have come through And when I say a few, it's really been very few. You know, I I did Love Liza. Love Liza was this movie that I was in. I had a very small part in. But that was written by my friend Gordy Hoffman. And he said, you know, I'm going to try to get you into Love Liza. And he did. And he, one of the few, I mean, it's a very short list of people that have said they're going to do something like that. And then have come through. Which is not to say I expect people to do that. But what really happens in reality is your friends really can only help you, I think, if you go through the system and somehow end up in their office. Like there are a couple of people around town that if I ended up in their office auditioning for a role, I might have a leg up. But those people aren't going to say, "You know what I should do is write something for Dan." Like that's just not going to happen, right? And and that's fine. I've come to realize that that's that's reality. So needless to say, regarding North Star, I was I mean, I've always been as absolutely optimistic as possible, but I don't let myself get too excited about it. But I try to keep... So they would say things like, well, you know what, we're going to shoot... We've decided we're going to shoot in Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, in the winter of uh, such and such. Now, by now, this could have been the winter of uh, 2015. I don't even remember. I'm really bad with time. You know that. So... The problem is you can't underestimate... The Anderson brothers, plus one. You just can't do that. So what they did, and you maybe know this because you've been listening to these recordings. You know, I put out over three a year. They started doing a prequel web series called Northbound. You know this, right? Maybe I should speed through this, all this explanation. So blah, 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 Northstar, blah, 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 prequel, blah, 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 Northbound, yada, yada, yada. They're now about to shoot season three. So when they did season one, they said, hey, Dan, you're totally going to be in season two. And then they wrote season two and they're like, wow, season two is gigantic. We've got to break it up into two seasons. So Dan, you're going to be in season three. So now here we are. So in the you know, winter time of this year, 2018, Seth contacted me and said, hey, buddy, we're doing it. We're doing the thing. We're doing season three. It's coming up. What are your availabilities in the summer? You know, let's say August, early August. What, are you available early August? And I'm like, yeah, sure, man. What do, you, what do you think? You think in the winter I have like my August scheduled? You got to be kidding. I'm not so into God, Do you get sales phone calls all day? You'd think I would turn my phone off. Um. So they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. That's what he says. This says we're going to do it. So I'm like, great. That's fantastic. Send me the script. I, 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 he sends me the revised script. I read it. It's awesome. Now, when it was season two, it was awesome. And now it's season three. And now it's still awesome. It's even more awesome. It's awesome. And to the point where I'm like, do people do this for web series? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is this really in the magnitude of a web series or they really are just shooting a feature and they haven't told anybody? So the plan was for many years um, that I was going to play Dr. Trepanier. And then one of my colleagues is this woman, Hannah, who's another doctor, Dr. Some Hannah. So, and they wanted to get uh, somebody famous to play Dr. Hannah. And I can't remember what her name is right now. Mm, yeah, I can't remember. It's not Carrie Ann Moss, but it's somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like the, the woman from the Matrix, it's not her. It's not her, but it's someone very similar to her that you recognize from somewhere, like Homicide Life on the Street or something. What's her name? You know what I mean? They wanted to get her. I don't want to say because I don't know. It's not that I don't want to say. I can't say because I can't think of her name. But listen, it's a a brunette woman who's appropriately, you know, who's age appropriate for the role and who they wanted to get. But I think, I don't know if, I don't know what happened, but they ended up. So Seth Seth tells me, yeah, it's not going to be her. Uh, it's going to be a woman that we know from here in Michigan. But it's going to be great. She's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Now listen, I got to tell you, as intimidated as I was at the prospect of potentially working with this actress whose name I don't remember, and it'll come to me right after I stop recording. I'm sure you're shouting at the your earbuds right now, her name, but... Um, As intimidated as I was at the prospect of working with this person or someone of her level, of her stature, of her solid, you know, A-level minus actor, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, I was also, I was very excited. I was excited and intimidated. But then when I heard that, no, they were hiring someone from Michigan, listen, I, I got to be honest with you. Living in Los Angeles, and, and, and this is the same, I'm sure, and it's absolutely the same in Manhattan for sure, like maybe even more so. San Francisco, any big city that, uh, at least this is my theory, any big city where it's super expensive and there are way too many people and it's hard to live there, etc., etc. To to maintain that, you have to kind of convince yourself on some level that, anyone doing that is superior to anyone not doing that and to and to do that and survive give right you create you create this superiority complex and what i mean by that is i don't know anything about actors that are outside of los angeles or new york but i have to assume that they're getting right you get someone from like random town michigan What have I gotten myself into? Now, listen, I'm a nice person and I don't right? I don't want to judge, but the, the part of me that has to like, it's a survival thing. I've been starving and beating my head against a wall actor wise, so to speak for how many years now, 25, 30, I have no idea. I've been in the Screen Actors Guild for two decades, begging, please, can I just make enough money to get health insurance? And so to do that, you you do. You, you have to assume that that system is the superior system compared to not doing that and just hoping for the best. So, and listen, L.A. actors and probably New York actors too, although they probably do more theater, but L.A. actors are really the most overtrained people in any profession considering the training they go through and then compare that to like 30 seconds of selling toothpaste uh, you, you know what I mean? It's a weird situation. But I've seen. Listen, I have complete I have complete faith in Seth Anderson. Complete, complete faith. Now I don't think Nathan's going to be there because he's too busy here in LA being like super hot artist. Seriously. And Jason lives I don't even know where. So it's it, this is Seth's ball game up, up here in the in the really in the upper 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 Michigan like almost in league superior michigan now the crew must be awesome i don't know i don't know how they're doing it but each season is better and better and better so the end of the second season i'm telling you it looks like a feature so part of me i've got it in my in my head like i'm going to go up there and i'm going to really show these people what a real actor is about you know what i mean i've got to i've got to go in there with confidence i can't I can't have any uh, hesitation or trepidation, any kind of Asians whatsoever. And I gotta just hope that the people that I'm working with can, I don't, I don't wanna, this is gonna sound snotty, keep up. Right? Now, the realistic part of me knows th- this is the, actually the biggest part that I've ever had in anything. I've been an actor since, I, you know what I mean? If you take, like, you, look at all the acting I've ever done in anything and take out school plays. This is the biggest thing I've ever done. As far as like pages of dialogue and numbers of scenes and stuff like that, old Dr. Trepanier is a big deal. That's why I've very, very patiently been waiting for what could be five years by now, maybe even more to do this role. So I'm thrilled. Trust me. I'm thrilled to be going to, to where the hell I'm going. I don't even know where I'm going. I, I know it's called iron mountain. I know they have an old movie theater there. That's where they premiere Northbound every year. And I know Seth is there, and I know Seth knows what he's doing. And and, and after that, I don't know anything, except I know that I have my, my dialogue in my backpack. So I fly from Los Angeles International Airport here in beautiful Los Angeles at the crack of effing dawn. And I fly from there to Minneapolis, Minnesota on a big jumbo jet. And then in Minneapolis, Minnesota, within the airport, I forget what they call that airport, but I essentially walk what feels like from Minneapolis to St. Paul to get from the big airplane part of the experience to the other side of the airport where apparently the planes go that are going to Green Bay. Now, I'm going to Green Bay. Now, I've never been to Green Bay, but they have a football team or two. They have, right? I assume Green Bay is a big city. Now, obviously not as big as Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is ridiculously big. So I don't expect anything to be like L.A. But I do kind of expect cities to be big like... I guess Chicago or something. I don't know why I have this, right? I, anyway, so so I'm in, I'm in Minneapolis. And, I, and, and all I know of Minneapolis is what I've seen in Purple Rain. I'll be honest with you. My, my knowledge before I landed of Minneapolis is like First Avenue and Morris Day. And that's it. So all I know is now is Morris Day and Prince, First Avenue, and that the airport is really basically a huge mall where airplanes uh, land. So I go to my gate, and I don't even know what airline I was flying, but the airplane is so small that your overhead baggage will not fit in the overhead compartment. Now, it's, re- it's a jet. It's a normal jet, but it's tiny. It's a tiny jet. Now, I thought there's no way it's going to be small because I was worried that it was going to be, you know, like a propeller plane or one of those little tiny, tiny jets that makes me want to throw up. So it was a very small, big jet. Again, though, too small for carry-on luggage. That's kind of weird. I've never been in that situation before. What the hell's happening? But again, be cool, Dan, because you're coming from LA, so you think you're cool. But you're a loser in LA. So get off your high horse, give them your bag, let them check it. So I, th- they let me through with my bag onto the plane. I said to the lady, hey, do I need a pink tag or whatever? And she said, no, that looks like it'll be fine. So I go, I get on the plane and I can't shove my overhead into the thing, even though the lady said that it would fit in the thing. It does not fit my friend into the thing. So I go up to the front of the plane and this super cute, and she could have been 67 years old, but she was so adorable. This adorable, can I say, listen, can I say to you, Is this a weird, now that we're really me tooing, I I don't want to, I don't want to say anything too crass. Okay. So I don't want you to, to, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm about to say. I want you to take it as empowerment and not belittlement. Uh, This woman was 67 years old and kind of sexy. So, so I say to the kind of, this kind of sexy octogenarian, basically, you know, my, my, bag doesn't fit in the thing and she gives me this little wink like don't worry baby and she puts it in this special little right so i'm like hey she's kind of sexy and very accommodating i think i have a crush on her right now i hope she brings me a diet coke and we'll just elope right this that's it we'll be done so within very short order we uh land in green bay now, I will say this, and again, I don't remember what airline I flew. It might have been Delta. Was it Delta? I don't even remember anymore. Flying is so different than it was 10 or 15 years ago, and now that we all have our own iPads, and now there's a, like a little movie screen in your seat and all that. It's just like flying is so much better, except I am uncomfortable in regular cattle class, whatever that... What what do you call that? General admission? No. What... uh? Economy? Is that what it's called? Economy class. Okay. I I fly economy, obviously, most of the time. And I can barely get into the seat and I'm only about five, six and a half. So I feel for all you normal sized people, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you just have given up and you take a train. I like I don't know what's going on, but oh my God, we gotta stop making that space smaller. So I get off the I get off the plane. Now I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And again, I've gone from Los Angeles to Minneapolis to Green Bay. My assumption is Green Bay is going to be obviously not a huge city, but a medium-sized. The airport at Green Bay is like a toy airport. It's like an airport that I had when we were kids. We had a little plane and you'd kind of push it around because you were five years old and you'd make a sound with your mouth or whatever and you'd pretend, right? It was like a play school brand airport. I think there are two runways, one for each direction and that's it. To the point where, so so Seth and I have been texting. Seth is great. So Seth is really on top of everything and Seth and I have been texting and I text him that I've landed and then, and then, And then I go, hey, you know, dude, um, yeah, so I'm headed out. Oh, and he said, we're going to be there in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I said, great, that's perfect. I'm going to get a bite to eat. Where should I meet you? And he texts back, don't worry, we'll see you. And I think maybe this is like a funny Wisconsin joke. Like, I don't understand what he's talking about. But when I went outside, the reason he said that is because they're... Okay, seriously, I'm not exaggerating. One other car outside of the airport in Green Bay, Wisconsin. One car. I don't, I, I don't even think it was a... I don't think that I saw a taxi in Green Bay. Now, maybe I'm particularly sensitive to this whole thing because I live... Or used to live whatever lives, kind of live next like literally in Los Angeles International Airport, so to me, my God, living at the Green Bay airport that would just be it would be so quiet, it would be creepy it's that kind it's that small now before I go outside, where there's literally two cars, one of which is Seth and his fiance. I want to get something to eat now, where I come from again. And, and, and Minneapolis was the same way, but but definitely in Los Angeles, it's like walking through an upscale mall. You know, you you can get pretty much anything—burgers and pizza—and and I don't mean crappy. Well, you can get crappy burgers too, but you know what I mean. Like there's the Wolfgang Puck's pizza and the such and such, whatever the cool new burger is, and this and that. You know, like I think there's a, a the counter. Do you have the counter where you are? Probably not. And 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 I'll tell you in a couple of minutes how I know you don't have a counter. So. So I, now listen, I know that I'm probably going to eat at like, and I don't mean this to mean anything, but I know I'm going to probably eat food at this airport at like TGI Fridays. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly fine. I'm not a snob. I will eat at TGI, absolutely, TGI Fridays. What, what I end up doing is getting... What was that? I, mean, I think, in theory, it was a panini or something, which, again, sounds very different than it actually was. From what was essentially an open-faced... Oops, sorry. An open-faced bar. That was the only place I saw in the entire airport to get food. It was essentially a bar with the, that had food. Now, the bar... Yeah, I mean, that's the only only way I can describe it. There was like a big island and a guy in there who kind of, you know, like looked like he was on parole for some violating a farm animal or something. I mean, he really looked dour, you know, he was really like not enjoying. And I thought, well, maybe that's the culture. Maybe no one in Wisconsin smiles. I have no idea. Like, yeah, you got to understand, I am so out of my element, that this is like a sitcom. And I knew it was going to be like a sitcom, but I didn't really want it to be like a sitcom. I wanted it to be normal. And and I'm clearly in a sitcom where the airport has two runways, everybody's wearing Packers uniforms, and I'm buying a $750 panini from a guy that looks like he'd rather hurt me than than give me food, but but not really hurt me because that would take energy. Like, I don't understand. But people are in the airport, in this little bar, in the middle of nowhere, drinking. It's like two in the after. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. And because it's a sitcom, the guy actually starts making conversation with me. But again, he's not smiling and he's not. Like he, he's minimally accommodating. Like I I can't even do an impression of it for you, but. But he starts asking me like, oh, where are you coming in from? You know what I mean? And now now what do I do? What do I do? Do I say that I'm here from Los Angeles? And then maybe we have that conversation. Do I tell the truth slash lie and say I came from Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is actually true, but obviously bullshit. Because um, if he asks me anything about Minneapolis, all I know is that there seems to be a lot of shopping you can do at the airport. Like, like I, I don't know anything. So I figure, okay, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? I'm just going to say Los, Los Angeles. Now, I think the inevitable reaction is going to be, oh, wow, what what are you doing, right? Because when I checked in to fly to Green Bay from Minneapolis, I checked in with the lady, and the lady's like, oh, f- coming from Los Angeles? Ha, ha, ha. I think you're going the wrong direction, which, mm, that's a way to sell it. Um, so... When I said Los Angeles, again, superiority complex, I expected him to say, oh my, why are you, why are, what are you doing coming from Los Angeles? You know what he said? Nothing. He went and, you know, had to get somebody a beer. Because I'm I'm essentially in like depressing cheers where Sam is still drinking and he's really kind of like, doesn't shave anymore and let himself go. He cuts his own hair, that kind of thing, right? So I'm waiting and I'm very nervous. I have two pieces of carry-on. I have my carry-on carry-on and I have this black backpack, which I didn't really realize until much later is enormous. So I look like a middle-aged turtle standing around fidgeting with his phone in a bar in an airport in Green Bay where there's no people, except for the people like everyone I've seen so far in Green Bay is in this bar. So it takes a while for him to heat up my panini thing, whatever it was. It wasn't a panini. Was it a panini? I don't know what it was. It, listen, it, had, it was a sandwich that I recognize the name of. So I'm waiting, and this guy comes up behind me, and the guy has got to be seven feet tall. And he's dressed like a pilot. And he's clean-shaven and bright-eyed, and he looks he looks like the kind of guy you want piloting your plane. And I hear him say something to the bartender guy who gets the food. And he says, and at first, I don't even understand what he says. At first, all I just hear is, hey, can I like that? Like it was just, you know what I mean? They tell stories of when, where was this? I'm going to, you know, destroy this story. But, you know, when, when indigenous people were in their indigenous land and then big ships would sail up from Europe to kill everybody, that they sort of couldn't see the ships because they had no frame of reference. And that was one of the ways, unbeknownst to the Europeans even, that they were able to get so close and not get attacked. And right away, it's like the the, the indigenous people couldn't process what was happening. And like that, there's a seven foot tall pilot behind me and he goes, hey, do you wah, 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 like that? And I don't know what the hell is going on. So I I stand there and try to decode what he's saying. And he says that he wants six orders of cheese curds. And to this day, I'm not clear what that means other than, that sounds disgusting please tell me that you're going to give six or whatever it is, orders of cheese curds to uh, like a hundred people. Because if you're each ordering an order of something called cheese curds, (laughs) you're giving me the heebie-jeebies. So so Seth texts me that that he's there to get me. He and uh, Lucy, his fiancee. And um, I say, I'll be right out. I'm ordering cheese curds. And so they get in the car and they realize that I had a panini and that I was just joking. But apparently cheese curds are some sort of delicacy in the Wisconsin, Minnesota, Upper Peninsula area. As well as pasties, which is sort of like a white person's uh, like a pot pie or something. I don't know. I don't know. I avoided all these regional foods. I have to admit. Because of my blood sugar, I can't just go start eating whatever the locals hand to me. I can do that, and I would have probably done it on the last day. Like, once work is over, then I can pollute my body and have a migraine on the plane or whatever. But if you want me to be in front of a camera, let's just not start doing experiments with Dan's gastrointestinal slash chemical systems. So, So I'm going to admit, At this point, I'm so happy to see Seth and Lucy. Now, I've never met Lucy, but he, she, and Seth had recently, I'm pretty sure, got engaged after dating for a decent amount of time. She is adorable and wonderful. So I'm having this adorable, wonderful conversation with Seth and Lucy in the car, and we drive back, and we're driving up, I think it's up and over, to Michigan, to Iron Mountain, Michigan, the upper peninsula of uh, that, that area, right? Now, they say, now I'm feeling good. At this point, I'm feeling good about the whole experience. Even though, because of my, my food situation, because I got to eat every two hours and it can only be certain things sometimes, and usually I can get it to work, but then sometimes I end up with a migraine, that I'm a little nervous about the whole trip because of food. And, but now I'm feeling good because I'm with Seth and Lucy. They're going to take care of me. I can just feel it. They've got some weird parental thing going where they're, they're like hosting me in some ultimate host way. Except very soon after I get in the car, one of them says, we're going to go to Starbucks. I hope you don't mind. And I'm like, of course I don't mind. I go to st- right? I end up in a Starbucks all the time. They said, yeah, because there's not a Starbucks anywhere near where we live for like miles and miles and miles. So we're going to swing by a Starbucks now because I don't know when the next time is we're going to go to a Starbucks. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, I can't. So now I'm, I'm in this thing of like, this is, you're exactly articulating one of my worst, not that I need a Starbucks, but to me, Starbucks is a symbol of if I need to eat something, I can always go to Starbucks. Just like if I always need to use the restroom, I'll just go to target. Like that's, you don't realize how you conduct your life until you're out of your own element. But those are things that I rely on. I rely on Starbucks and places like that or target cause targets open early and it's open late. Starbucks is open early and well, they're not open late, but you understand what I'm saying? Like certain safety mechanisms built into your life. Now, now they're telling me that there's no Starbucks. Where we're going well it turns out there's no Starbucks anywhere near Iron Mountain and there's no target now you've got to understand where I like where I'm sitting right now without exaggeration I am within three or four four, that's probably an underestimation, Starbucks within a quarter mile of where I'm sitting. And, and like I say, that's probably a gross underestimation because I'm probably forgetting about a half a dozen of them that are inside other establishments. Because Because right, c- they have no Starbucks. I have a Starbucks next to the grocery store and the grocery store that's next to the Starbucks inside that grocery store is a Starbucks. That's how many Starbucks there are That's how secure I always feel that I can get something to eat is there's a Starbucks literally everywhere. The only place, honestly, where there's not a Starbucks inside is Starbucks. But our bank has a Starbucks. All our grocery stores have Starbucks. All our Targets. Yeah, our Targets all have Starbucks i'm not joking see there again oops sorry i was gonna say oh and i'm within you know let's say a mile or two of at least two or three targets yeah and each of those targets have a starbucks inside them i swear i'm not joking even the we have a tiny target that just opened starbucks so i'm talking to them and i'm getting a little like what have i gotten myself into because i need to know that if I need to grab some food, I just can. I, all I have to do is go to Target or Starbucks, and they're saying, "Well, there aren't enough people." They did a survey. There aren't enough people, so we don't have Target or Starbucks, or Best Buy, or any of the things, Dan, that you think you need to survive in the wild because you're like some sort of city snowflake, and we're real people here. And can go for years at a time without being near a Frappuccino. Eventually we end up in Michigan. Now I've got to tell you something about this drive. So we drove for two hours, give or take, from, from Minnesota. No, from, not Minnesota, uh, what do you call it? Wisconsin. Green Bay, to Iron Mountain, Michigan. The topography of that area is so, so, so similar to how I grew up in Rochester, New York, that I felt it was, an, it was just a, it was a bizarre and beautiful experience <laughs> in that, and you gotta try this somewhere, because because there are two elements there's the positive element and then the like uh, i don't know what element but basically i felt like i was in my hometown the way it looked the way it smelled the way the roads were laid out the side of the road with reed grass and here's some fresh standing water like i felt like i was home but without the burden of worrying about whether i was going to run into somebody from high school So I highly recommend that. Do some research and go to a town that is essentially where you grew up, but nowhere near where you grew up. Because then you don't have the burden of all that nostalgia and all those expectations and, you know, people that you made mad and stuff like that. But you still kind of feel like you're getting to go home. So I don't remember even really what we did part of the plan was we were going to go to this theater, this old theater where they show Northbound when it premieres. And I think we were going to rehearse or something. And Seth was going to introduce me to some of the people in the cast. And I'm like, oh, you know, this will, this will be fun. But you know what? I mean, you got to understand, like I, I really hope that I'm putting things into context when in Los Angeles, when you work, At least my experience has been, you know, because I usually only work for a day. You come in, you do your job, you get the hell out. Like people, people introduce themselves and are nice enough and it's very professional. But, but then you just leave. Like you don't, your job is not to make friends. Your job is to, whoops, sorry. Your job is to, um, you know, do your job and get out, get out of the way. Don't do anything to slow down the train. So coming into this situation, I just don't know what to expect on any level. So we go in to this theater. It's called the Brahmart? Is that right? I kept saying it wrong when I was there. I think it's called the Brahmart Theater. It's in Iron Mountain. It's a great old theater. And Seth apparently has just kind of taken over this all this office space upstairs. So so I got to tell you something. Th- for me, this is like out of the ideal movie of like, where where are we going to shoot half the thing and where are we going to... You know, where do you keep the wardrobe everything? Well, in an old movie theater, of course. <laughs> like old stairs and paneling on the wall and somebody and I... Who was it? I think it was Lucy took me into the old projection room and we're sno- snooping around in the projection room. I mean, it, we were kids in a candy store. And I'm totally fanboying out because I've been upright. I've been a fan of Northbound for years now. And there's the wardrobe room and they've got all this wardrobe on mannequins. So because it was part of a display for when they premiered the season two or something. I don't, all I know is that it's like this tiniest little Universal Studios tour. I'm loving it. I'm fanboying out. And then they start introducing me to all these people that keep showing up. I'm not sure who they are or what they do, but they're also nice and they're also like And I guess it goes back to my analogy. So you find a place where the topography is similar but without the burden of running into people that you know, but with the pleasure of meeting people that you feel like you've known for years. How does that sound? I don't, I don't think we even read through the script or anything. I think we just talked about stuff. I met my my uh, main kind of like co-actor star, Allie. Very nice, very beautiful woman. Very great energy. Like everyone's just so nice and so bright-eyed and so good-looking. It's just, cr- you know what I mean? But not good-looking in a like, I'm trying to be good-looking way. Good-looking in like... Because I don't want to say normal because that sounds dismissive. They're just like... and i'm saying this is better than los angeles because in los angeles everybody's trying to be good looking these are people that are just kind of living their lives with such ferociousness that it's magnetic and they're talking about you know they're really into making northbound but they also have other lives you know what i mean like this one owns property, and this one loves to go hiking, and this one the, is in metallurgy or something. Like I, I don't even fully understand half the conversations I'm semi-hearing. All I know is like these are people living their whole lives, and and I've spent so much time in my life trying to believe that you have to live in a big happening city. To be living. And the truth is, I'm alive, but I don't really live. I'm almost, it's almost like I'm just sitting around kind of waiting to die. Where these people, and I'm when I say these people, I mean like everyone that I met seemed to be like living every single day and doing like amazing things. It was so mind-boggling and so inspirational. And so like, I want to buy a house here right now. I'll never get my wife to move here, but I got a, maybe like a summer house or something. I can come for the summer. We can hang out and make Northbound season 18. I don't, you know, like, I just don't understand what's happening. So. I, yeah, I don't even remember. We just hung around and talked and I think we had some pizza and I met every, you know what I mean? It was just great. Seth has put together this literal family of people that are helping make northbound, and they've got just the energy and the commitment and but without it being some sort of like neurotic thing that they have to do to get ahead or you know what i mean it's 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 amazing to see people that want to do. A lot of the same stuff that people I know here want to do, but without all the baggage and craziness of Los Angeles. So the truth is, before I went to, um, before I went to wherever I went, where did I go? Minnesota? No. I keep saying... Whenever I want to refer to a place, I refer to one airplane stop before it. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Before I went to Michigan, truthfully, I got to be honest. So, Allie that I was going to do my scenes with, she and I had rehearsed on Skype with Seth. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to make a story out of it, but it's not worth it. She's a very good actor. Okay. After the Skype thing, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. She's doing so much better than me. This is, I'm so happy. I need someone to make me look good because, I, right, I'm just a hack. I don't know what I'm doing. I can hit my marks or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, whatever. So the first day of shooting, um, we had to drive. We're driving again now. We had to drive from Iron Mountain at the crack of dawn. I think we all met at like five in the morning. We had to drive up to... I almost said Caltech. Um, Michigan Tech? Yeah. Because Allie and I have a bunch of scenes up at Michigan Tech where we have to yell at each other. We have to yell at each other in an elevator and in a stairwell and walking down a hallway. There's a lot of yelling at each other. I'm yelling at her for a while, and she's yelling at me for a while, and then I'm trying to convince her of something, and then she's trying to convince me of something. You know what I mean? So on the way up there... Uh, she and I and another woman named Faye are in the backseat of a passenger van. And Faye um Faye's like a, a producer on the show or a coordinator. I don't know. She she's one of those people that's insanely good at kind of keeping things organized and in order and keeping everybody on schedule. Like she you trust me you trust me, you want someone like Faye on your team, right? Just as it turns out, fabulous. So at this point, I just know that she's a nice person. I just met her. So she's asking me about LA and whatnot. So she and I and Ali are talking. And I don't remember exactly how it came up, but the the conversation came up of like, what shows have you been on or whatever? I forget exactly. But it was one of those like, all right, now's my chance to kind of try to establish some sort of credibility with some of these people. I'm gonna drop some names, okay? I'm gonna drop some names to the uh, Michiganians, to the Youpers from the Upper you- Upper Peninsula, they're Youpers. So these Youpers, I'm gonna drop a little reality on them. So they, just so they remember who they're dealing with here, Dan MF in class, right? Failed actor, former comedian, stay-at-home dad, Flying from Los Angeles to Upper Michigan to shoot a web series class. Okay. So, again, I, I really, it's like five, six in the morning. So, I don't really remember how this conversation went, but it was essentially like, yada, yada. I was on the X Files or something, and David Dukavin. And then, and I always love, I'll admit it. Listen, I admit, I am very honored to have known and worked with. Phil Hoffman. Okay. And and, and I'm going to try to make this the last time I ever bring him up because it's gross. But it did come up. It came up very naturally. I don't know, like Phil Hoffman, uh, high school, whatever. Uh, okay. To which my scene partner, the lovely Allie replies, who? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, who's that? Um, now, I really don't know how to answer this question. Because to me, because because he's like Rochester, New York's uh, favorite son, right? Oscar-winning actor. Got a lot of press when he was alive, a lot of press when he passed. Like, to me, he's like an American acting icon. I don't know how to answer the question, who? So I mentioned the Oscar, and I mentioned, and I'm like, um, he was in... And I just can't think, of, like, uh, he was in Boogie Nights? I mean, he got an Oscar for Capote? Anything, anything, re- and it doesn't ring a bell. It doesn't ring a bell. It's six o'clock in the morning. We're driving two hours to Michigan Tech, and my scene partner has never heard of someone who won the Oscar for Best Actor within the last t- seven years, 10 years. I mean, think about th- that. That's like saying that she doesn't know who, I don't even know who. You don't know okay seriously they're gonna point a camera at you and me and and you don't know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is do you know who Dustin Hoffman is do you know and so I'm like oh oh my god first of all I'm I'm mortified and I should know better because I don't I don't like being in kind of a name droppy guy but you just have to you know it comes up and you have to kind of like yeah, I used to do stand-up with so-and-so and I did, I've been in, I was on, you know, I was with him and her and whatever on a TV show Whatever. you know what I mean? Like you got to do that. And I always feel a little sick about doing it, but you have to do it. And and sometimes I'm like, no, F it, I'm going to do it. So I've never dropped a name and someone said who, and then I explained and they said who, and then I explained more and they still said who and I've certainly never done that with someone that I was then going to be on camera with for the foreseeable future so i just decided you know what that that's it's, to, it's totally possible it's totally possible that she doesn't know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is maybe she doesn't maybe she listen maybe she maybe she uh, doesn't know maybe you know that's fine Maybe, maybe okay this is impossible how can she not know like has she heard of Denzel Washington has she heard of Michael Fassbender has she heard of Daniel Day Lewis anyone who won the Oscar last year have you heard of them I can't think of who won the Oscar last year I wouldn't mention their name Okay, Dan, don't be a jerk because listen, you're meeting a really, a lot of nice people and you have to come back in October. Okay, those are two things to remember. Just remember, Dan, you're meeting a lot of very nice people and you're coming back in October. Okay, so you got to just, right, chill out, stay fed, do your thing and do your thing. Okay, and just try to remember your GD lines. Don't worry about who knows who's who. This isn't a competition of, like, who, right? This is a thing where you just focus on your Dr. Trepan, your talky-talky, and not get yourself all in a bundle. And then we drove by two bald eagles. Now, I'm going to repeat that in case it sounded like I'm a real blow. Blow to you. And then we drove by two bald eagles it might have been three and one of them was young and just didn't look to me like a bald eagle i am not an expert on bald eagles all i know is literally standing by the side of the road and i don't even mean in the tall grass i mean on the side of the road where they maintain where it's like the shoulder of the road on this highway two or potentially three bald eagles And there's something about seeing bald eagles as an American that really puts things into a weird perspective. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, 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 yeah. I'm being kind of a self-important ass. And those are bald eagles. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I had that reaction to that. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's normal, right? That's a totally normal reaction to a bald eagle. You're just like, you're so humbled that you're like, okay, I'm sorry. It's like your father catching you doing something. Oh, I was, I, uh, right. I just okay. So we go to Michigan State. Uh, no, Michigan uh, Tech. Beautiful school. We're we're hanging out in this cool uh, building where they study the water. It's all this water studying stuff. Now Seth has asked me to be an extra in a scene where um, they just needed a bunch of extras. So I said, sure, and I put on the costume. Now it turns out Dickies, so they needed a bunch of scrubs, okay? They needed scrubs for the extras and Jason, super producer, called Dickies, you know Dickies, they call, he calls Dickies and says, hey, you know, we need a bunch of scrubs and Dickies like, is like, uh, oh, what color? And they sent boxes and boxes of the most comfortable scrubs Now I've put on a lot of scrubs and they're all, they're all terrible. And these were so nice. (laughs) It's so soft. If you ever need scrubs, I'm not joking. This is not a paid endorsement Buy, get these Dickies scrubs. I don't know what kind they are, but they're awesome. Anyway. So basically I got a chance to be an extra and all I had to do was sort of kind of sit there. And, um, so I took a nap in the background being a human prop, but So the real main point of what I wanted to say was, so so I get in my Dr. Trepanier uh, drag, you know, because the extra thing is over and now it's it's me and Hannah, uh, I think for the rest of the day. And I don't remember, I don't remember which we shot first, it doesn't really matter. But Hannah and I have a very complicated relationship. There's a lot of backstory that I won't get into. Um, And the situation between us, you know, it's very well written. So it's one of those things where we have very similar goals, but completely different ways of trying to attack that goal. You know what I mean? And so we're walking... um, I forget, like I say, I forget which one we did first. I don't remember if it was the hallway or the stairwell. It doesn't really matter. The point is, so we start running through the scene. And she and I had been running lines a little bit. So I was, I, I basically don't know my lines until we're on the set. And then they finally get hammered into my brain when when there's no more time to stall. You know what I mean? That's just apparently the way my brain works. Which I, I uh, would imagine was making Allie very nervous because I kept saying I don't know my lines. And I kept looking at my scripts. And I warned her. I said, listen, Allie, I got to tell you something. Right as we're about to roll, okay, they're going to say all the stuff that they say on a set, you know what I mean? Like rolling, sound speed, and right before they say action, I'm going to say to you, what's my first line? And I apologize, but I'm not joking. I won't know what it is. And that's not some cool acting technique that I have developed. That is a horrible neurotic anxiety reaction to being in that situation and it has not served me well ever. So, so here I am, we've got the crew, we're going to shoot, we're, we're in all our outfits. I've been waiting to shoot this scene for five years and I'm acting with someone who, um, I don't know their background at all other than I think she directs children's theater, and and I know for a fact she has no clue who Philip Seymour Hoffman is. And sound speed and, uh, and rolling and, and action, and we start doing our scene, and she is amazing. I don't know. I don't know why or how. I don't know what she's doing. I don't want to think about too much what she's doing. I assumed she was a theater actress that has done some theater stuff. You know what I'm saying? But that's a whole different ball game from being on camera. She was so good that I literally had to keep myself from watching her act while we were in the middle of the scene. Her eyes are drilling into me. Her n- n- lip is quivering out of fury. She turns on me like she's going to strangle me to death. It was like... Unbelievable, unbelievable, take after take, tireless, tireless Allie. And I was, I was so, I mean, I have no idea what I did. I was just so busy being in the scene with her and enjoying what she was doing (laughs) that You know, I'm, I mean, I know I got the lines out. I know eventually we stopped shooting, so I'm pretty sure that I did what I was supposed to be doing. But she was just so good, and and so she just delivered. She just delivered so beautifully, so many times, and we would change the block. You know what I mean? Like like a someone with a lot of experience under the, their belt, really just humbling, humbling. Like, uh. So the next day we were hanging around waiting to shoot. Uh, we were shooting at the movie theater. Not in the theater, but in that building. And somehow it came up and I... Oh, she she said something like, I don't know how you're... Because I have some techno babble, so to speak. And um, she said something like, oh God, I don't know how you do that. But you're good, you know. You're you're good. You're able to spit all that stuff out. And I'm like, baby, you have no idea. I was on the X Files, and I stunk. I there was this line I couldn't get it out or whatever. And she can. Conf- she's like, I, I know you were on the X Files. I saw that. I watched your reel. I cyber-stalked you. I did my research. I'm like, oh great. So she said, yeah, I was I, I wanted to check you out because I wanted to you know I was worried about keeping up with you. And I'm like, baby. You got nothing to worry about. I mean, she's just, so even the second day and the second day, we got to pretend that this is going on and it's not going on. You know, and it wasn't like, it wasn't literal green screen acting, but it was essentially green screen acting where she and I, and another young woman named, uh, Allie, also Allison, um, we're reacting to all this stuff that wasn't, that they're going to shoot some other time. You know what I mean? And she's just nailing it. I'm like, really oh my God, I'm so glad that I, like she's carrying all this stuff. Is that horrible? I'm sorry, Allie, but yeah, it was like, I hope you couldn't feel me on your coattails or anything, but that, you know. So yeah, needless to say, and I'm really not joking, really not joking. God, I would love to go up there every summer and shoot something. Just such a a fun group and so cool. Everybody's just so freaking into it. It's just, it's just nuts. It's nuts. And I feel bad, I feel bad. So we were doing this thing, and you know, I I, I like to push, I I like to push the envelope a little bit. So we're doing this thing where uh, I was, uh, they were shooting me doing some like Kickstarter stuff. And I was feeling so good about being there. And I was in like, actor love with everybody so much. I mean, these people, I'm. T- it's just crazy that I was, uh, we were doing these promos and I was being a smart ass on camera. And I said, you know, I thought I was going to come out here and see all these local yokels trying to make a thing. And it turns out I came out here and they are a bunch of local yokels, but I love, you know what I mean? So, cause, cause the comedian in me loves to go up to the line, cross the line, but then double back and save it. And I and I did it like that a couple times, and I feel like everybody followed me. And then Faye was like, "Do you really want I'm saying, local yokels?" And Evan, the AD, was even defending me. Yeah, but he just called himself a like a failed actor. He's he's clearly joking. But but he but she was right. I didn't want anyone to not follow me the whole way, and in any way interpret what i was saying as condescension because what i say after that if they don't hear that then it's just me being a jerk if they listen to the whole thing they hear me say listen i love these people. this is fantastic this is a family and you got to join the family you got to give to kickstarter cuz this is amazing 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 but but if someone didn't hear that part or they didn't take in that part and they just heard me going yeah there's a bunch of local yo-, like that would be a horrible <laughs> misrepresentation of even what my smart-ass self thinks. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, I would... I would would sign up to only shoot up there with them if that was a thing that I could do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, it was so great. And I say with no... Like, it's... Season 3 is going to be good. I mean, I hate to be so positive and non-ironic, but... Season 3 is going to be so good. The scripts are so good. What we shot uh is gonna be great. What they shot that we're not in. They did a thing where Hannah and her like assistant are doing this thing and running around and everything. It's just it just it just Yeah, for, for a web series with the budget that it has, it's monstrous and epic. And I cannot wait to go back and I can't wait to see it. Um You know, I really wish that something horrible had happened that I could tell you about, you know what I mean? I pooped my pants or something, or somebody was a jerk, or I made out with, you know, someone's mom or something. But really, it was just like, once I got there, it was, (laughs) you know, unfortunately for the show, but very fortunately for me, it was just freaking wonderful. It was wonderful, except, and, and this is my fault. So, I'm at the hotel, and I really want to iron my shirt. Okay? And so I go and I look around the hotel room, and by hotel I mean motel, and by motel I mean building that used to be an old folks home and is now being used as a motel. Um, I look around to find an iron, and I don't find one, but I do find a thing where the iron should be hanging in the bathroom. And so I go to the front desk, and I say, hey, how you doing? Uh, Can I have an iron? And the girl that works there who clearly has had no exposure whatsoever to anyone who's into their job, says, "Uh, hold on, let me look. So she goes in the back and five minutes later comes back with no iron and says, no, I can't find one. And I'm too stupid or too nice or too much of a, a wimp to say, well, hey, uh, how about this? How about you figure out if there's an empty room and you go in there and get that God darn, iron and give it to me because I have a shirt that needs to be in front of a camera tomorrow. Do you understand? Do you, like, can you problem solve this? Because, right, you you guys are receiving money and uh, you've created this expectation that there's an iron in the bathroom. I want my iron, please. So I ended up ironing the shirt by making a towel damp and then scrubbing the shirt on the bed for a half an hour to try to get the wrinkles out and then pulling on the shirt and then hanging the shirt and then doing that over and over. And I actually did a pretty good job. And the first thing I did, honestly, when I got to the set was spill coffee all over myself anyway. So I didn't waste time ironing. All right, so that's it for this episode. I hope that wasn't too boring. Was that too boring? my fear is that um when I tell you stories about things going well that you will ultimately be bored does that make sense I think it does anyways in in all seriousness thank you to everyone in Upper Michigan the youpers are unbelievable Um, Northbound is gonna be amazing and it's all because of you and I can't wait to go back and see everybody in the fall foliage I'm so excited uh.
1: The Bitter's Pill is made possible by its generous patrons. Patrons like Alex Mirabelli, Brom Lasagna, Danko Kendall, Dave Hall of Fame Jackson, David Chase and Gerard Cortinez, Flores, Harold Goldner, Jay Savastano, Jeff Short, Jim Cariotis, Megan, Mike Scott Hamilton, Peter Chase, Sean Uffin, Sean Stewart, Tom Carell, and Rob Rice. Help Dan keep the show going. Become a patron of The Bitter's Pill today. Just go to www.patreon.com. Music this episode was Breeze Funked by Malaventura.
0: And thank you for listening uh, to The Bitter's Pill. I really appreciate it. I'm going to you know, try to get back on a normal schedule. I know I say that all the time, but it's, right, it's that time of year where I actually can do that. Okay? So I miss you. I miss you. I miss talking to you. And... Um, I might have to start telling old stories because, uh, like I say, every, you know, normal life is being pretty normal these days.
1: The Bitters Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. Thank you for listening.
0: And thank you for listening uh, to The Bitters Pill.